You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. So good. So good. So I normally don't uh, preach on modern holidays. It just hasn't been a thing. Um, homework's been busy with making more holidays, and so... We got, you know, Valentine's Day. I don't really preach on Valentine's Day. It's like, you know, he's a good guy, St. Valentine's. We don't really preach. He's a great guy. Don't really preach, you know, Mother's Day, Father's Day. I haven't really historically done that. Uh, Groundhog Day never took off for me. Uh, Earth Day, fantastic stuff. But it's like, yeah, it's just not there, right? But I wanted to take this one and actually go after this, this father thing. Because most of us are in desperate need of a father upgrade. I had a great dad. He's a, you know, I, I remember holidays in Clear Lake, Oregon, and setting up uh, our tent smelled like an army camp because it was made out of canvas that didn't repel any rain. In fact, it just collected rain and put it on my head. And uh, we would always set it up late at night because he was a pastor, and so we would leave our Sunday evening service at 9 p.m., drive for four hours, and then put up the tent at like 2 a.m. in some... Godforsaken, mosquito-infested, <laughs> glory to God. You know, it's just like it was like it was awesome because I had I had my dad to to myself, right? And not, well, there's four of us, so I had to share him with other lovely people. But uh, but it was just these moments, right? And so it's like I had this, but I but I desperately needed desperately needed a father upgrade. Our our, our image of God usually comes from our dads. So if you had a stern disappointed father, guess, guess how you're going to naturally view God? He's going to be stern and probably disappointed with you. And so you'll try to please God by doing more and reading the Bible and praying more and, 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 and saving the lost. And, and am I okay now, God? It's like, oh, he's probably still disappointed. So our, you know, our fathers on earth usually give us our first glimpse of who God is. And oftentimes that glimpse is not all that accurate. Their dads are trying. We are. <laughs> but it's not all that accurate, so we absolutely need a father upgrade. Ladies, you have a question that, that you have from birth, and, and, and Stacy Eldridge puts it like this, like, am I desirable? That's just a question that women carry. You carry it into the workplace. You carry it into marriage. You carry it into mothering. You carry it everywhere you go in the creative process. You carry it. And dads, we have a significant voice to our daughters to say, absolutely, you're desirable. Not only are you stunning, but I want to hear what you have to say. So we get to be a, a, a main person answering that question so that our daughters aren't walking around the, the, the halls of junior high and high school going, am I desirable? Would anyone desire me? We're like, no, that's not the place you want to do it. I'll speak, I'll speak to you so that you can walk into high school going, take a number. Because <laughs> my cup's already full. I'm not looking for any young man. I mean, right? That's, I mean, that would be awesome if we could step up into that. Men, we also have a question. Do I have what it takes? That's why little boys are jumping off the 10th stairs, seeing if we can do it without breaking a leg, right? It's like we're trying to prove that we have what it takes. And then we try the roof. And then the father's going, what are you doing up there? I'm seeing if I can. It's like, yes, what are you? yes, you have what it takes, but you don't have to prove it from the roof, okay? There's other ways to do this. But little boys, you know, they're just, yes, I have what it takes. And so dads, we have a, a, a profound place to say to our sons. I remember we were... Bear Creek Park, and we had to go to the waterfalls, but to get there, we had to swim through this narrow place. It was probably 15 feet deep, and I remember I had like a, a seven, 
a 12 and a 14-year-old, and I remember saying to my sons, you got this. And they're like, but the, the water's flowing. You got this. I'm right here for you. You got this. And I could see in the seven-year-old going, I got this. I got this. I got this. You know, it's like a little higher voice. I got this. I got this. And then he got stuck right in the middle. He goes, I don't got this. I don't got this, right? And I'm like, I'm here for you, right? If you can't make it, I'm going to help you. And in that moment, God goes, now you know what father's like. It's like, oh, you got this. If you, if, if you happen to run to the end of your ability, I'm here for you. And I'm going to give you whatever you need to be able to make it through. So dads, we have this profound place, but it all depends on who we're listening to. There's an accuser out there that's trying to accuse us, and there's a father out there trying to encourage us, and we can, we can vacillate between who we listen to. We can listen to, if we were raised with a disappointed, stern father, we can listen to that voice all day long and find reason to justify that. If we were raised with a really encouraging thing, then we actually probably have a lot of confidence. In the realm of what voice you listen to, I want Darnie to come on up and share a story. She had an experience, how old were you? Grade seven. She had an experience in grade seven, which really kind of highlights the voice and who you listen to. Made me cry. I was remembering that time. That was so fun. Oh, yeah? And our dog was there trying to get through. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the dog didn't have what it takes. No, he, d he didn't. Uh, <laughs> grade seven, uh, I apparently was pretty good at high jump. Didn't, didn't know that. I wasn't a particularly athletic person, but... Um, high jump seemed to be my jam. And I had a coach that was really encouraging, and I was hitting some of the provincial markers, the high, so it looked like I might be taking home some ribbons when we were doing an inner school track meet. And it was my first time in this kind of um, situation where, I, where everyone was expecting me to do really well. So I um, was at the front of the line, I remember, and there were all these people behind me, a couple of my teammates were further back and were waving, and my coach is over there. And just before the, the whistle blows, right, just before, uh, I'm getting ready to, to take my first jump, the person behind me, whom I'd never met before, leaned over my shoulder and whispered, you're gonna fail. <gasps> I know, right, I was, what? What? What's? What's this? What? I I didn't have a chance to really process it because the whistle did indeed blow, and you know muscle memory kicks in, and I go towards the first jump. Do you know how low the first jump in high jump is? The it's pretty much touching the bag, like the there's it's not hard. It's just the warm up. Nobody who's in that lineup will ever miss that. I kicked it over. My coach is standing there as I'm walking back to the end of the line, because you get two shots at it, um, my teammates are looking at me, stunned, and I have the girl who was just behind me, she easily makes it and is, is snickering all the way back. So I'm standing in that lineup, waiting, and feeling, oh my goodness, this is, th wh what's happened to me? I guess I just freeze under pressure, right? I, I, I guess it's just me. And of course, the second shot, I kick it over again. And next year, I went to a different school. Didn't even try out for high jump. I just thought, oh, I, I just don't, don't do well. It never occurred to me till years later that I had let somebody get in my head. I let somebody's voice be really, really powerful. And it actually sabotaged that whole moment. 
I shared that uh, a couple, um, about a month ago, and um, a guy named Finn in grade nine was in the group um, that was listening. And he was recalling just the previous week. Well, I, I forgot to bring it up, but this is his story that he sent me. Because um, he, he had a relative tell me about it. And I said, well, could you get Finn to tell me the story? Because I like telling stories accurately. You know how many times fish stories get bigger and bigger. And anyway, he said, so I'm at a triple junk, jump. And there's only three people there and three qualify for regionals. And we're jumping. And this kid is trash talking me. Anyone ever experienced that? In, yeah, yeah. He's trash talking me. And um, he gets in my head. And I end up getting third. And he says some other snarky remarks and stuff, even though I was only a, a centimeter behind him. Flash forward a week. So this is after he heard my story about listening to who's in your head. And uh, it's the night before Valley's. And I'm nervous, so mom and dad and I prayed that I wouldn't be affected by his words. He wouldn't get in my head. I would keep the right words in my head. And the next day, he's still being a jerk. And right before my first jump, he says, I hope you fail. Wow. I guess this has been said for millennia, right? Not very creative. Anyways, so I was kind of expecting this, so I tell him, well, maybe I do fail, but I hope you do well, and I'll be cheering you on. He's taken aback by this. And I jump, and I do well. The same kind of thing keeps happening. And on my last jump, and I'm getting ready to, to jump, he says, hey, I, I hope you do well. And I'm really happy, because he's being nice. And I say, well, I hope you do great as well, too. Wow. Right? And I can just, oh, when he told the story, it was just cracking me up. Triple jump ends, and I get third. And I think he gets fifth, and the top four qualify. So this guy didn't make it. And my next event, long jump, <clears throat> I'm just kind of stretching and encouraging myself. Encouraging himself, right? Like, which words come into your head? I'm uh, encouraging myself. When I see him walking up, and it's the dude from triple jump, and he's like, hey, are you jumping well? And I said a little surprised, yeah. And he says, I hope you do really well. And I say, thanks, man. And we kind of chat for a bit, and then he walks off. The next jump, I do beat my personal best and end up getting first. really matters. It really matters whose voice you listen to. And it really matters that you have an accurate perspective of them. And a lot of us probably have been raised with a, with a false image of God. I, I did have, and not, my dad didn't train me like this, but I did have a view of God that he was really disappointed in me. And so I would work hard and work hard and work hard. And I think there's a, there's a story. Let's go to slide two if we can get to slide two. There's a story of a preacher that was preaching out of Psalm 103. And this kid, yeah, it's probably nine, sitting in the, sitting in the crowd. And, and he listened to this guy. And the, and the pastor goes, you know, here's a passage I'm going to preach from today. He knows that we are but dust, and the days are few and brief like grass, like flowers blown by the wind and gone forever. And the kid turns to his father in the middle of the message. It's like, why is God so mean? And the dad goes, what are, you, what are you talking about? It's like, well, he calls us butt dust. Like, why is God so mean? And the father goes, oh, no, no, you've completely misread this passage. <laughs> Which is what we do, right? We read stuff in the Bible, and it's like, oh, God's so mean. Or, like, I can't believe he would do this. It's like, no, you've completely missed who, who the father is. Missed him completely. And so, you know, we're, we're going to go through a few passages this morning, and we're going we're gonna to seek to orient 
who the Father is according to Scripture so that you can get an accurate understanding as to who he is. So when he speaks, you'll be able to interpret his voice through truth and not through your history, not through your experience, not through your judgments, not through your insecurity, but through truth. Moses, uh, let's go to the next slide. Moses was struggling. He was insecure. He, he had speeching, speech problems. Uh, and he's like, God, I, I, I'm slow of speech was his own phrase. And I, I have no boldness to stand before Pharaoh. And then, and then he goes, and who shall I say that I am? And, and, and who are you? you know, who do I say that you are? And this is God's answer. And it begins to, to show us a little bit about who God actually is. And I want to read this. It's up on the screen for you. The Lord came down in a cloud, which God did a lot to Moses, and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. We've talked about this word Lord here before. It's, it's uh, translated Yahweh, which is a, um, a word that the, the Jewish scribes would hardly even dare to write. And many of them would take a bath before, every time before they wrote that name. So when you see in your Bible, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the actual name of God, which the best definition we can come up with is the one who creates out of nothing. It's just a great name, right? And so for those of you who feel like you're nothing, God goes, that's all I need. I, I can create much out of you. So, uh, and he, he proclaimed his name, the Lord, and he passed in front of him, and he said, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. So we're going to have a bunch of descriptors in here. And I, and I want us just to see how God describes himself. This is who I want you to say that I am. Uh, first of all, he is compassionate. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. He is gracious. I didn't, I didn't know that. Slow to anger. I didn't know that either. Abounding in love. I mean, come on, God. <laughs> How many descriptors are you going to give for who you are? Oh, I'm not even started yet. Hang on. Abounding in love. Abounding in faithfulness. I didn't know that. Maintaining love to thousands. I didn't know that. Forgiving wickedness. Really? Forgiving rebellion. Ah, oh, it's just good news. I mean, good news doesn't start with Jesus. Good news goes all the way back. Forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, and forgiving sin. Oh, I didn't know that. Yet I will not allow or not uh, allow the, the, the guilty to go unpunished. And people jump on that and say, oh, that's who God is. Remember, he's a judgmental God. But here's, let's go to the next slide. Judgment is always the last resort. Always. Throughout Scripture, it's like he poured, let's go back to the other, the slide three. Remember, he, all these things, compassionate. So, so what's first in the heart of God is compassion. What's next is graciousness. What's next is slow to anger. What's next is abounding in love. What's next is abounding in faithfulness. What's next is maintaining love to thousands. What's next is forgiving wickedness. What's next is forgiving rebellion. And what's next is forgiving sin. If all of that doesn't work, dude, you're going to need a bit of a wake-up call. Because I gave you all of these things, and you, and you accepted none of them. So I can't have you walking around 
hurting yourself and others. So you're going to need some judgment because you're not listening, right? And those of us who are fathers, we know this, right? We tried all of these. The compassion, no. Gracious, wouldn't hear of it. Slow to anger, but not today. Abounding in love. Abounding in faithfulness. Okay, actually, we can't allow you, the guilty, to go unpunished, right? And so it's like, I hate this. And so my father used to say this to me, this hurts me more than it does you. And I'm still convinced he's not, he's not, that's not true. Because he had this, I still have the leather belt that was used on my butt. And it's got marks on it, and I, I, I can hear it screaming. It's just like, ah, that was me, right? It's like, this hurts me. It's like, but then when I became a father, it's like, you know what? This is breaking me up. I wanted you to respond to compassion and graciousness. I wanted you to respond to my slow to anger and abounding love, but you wouldn't hear of it. I already forgave your rebellion from yesterday, but you won't hear it. So come on, wake up, buddy. This is who God is. We keep on going. Yeah, he will judge lies and evils, but he will, first he will seek to love and encourage them. The next, next, let's go to slide uh, five. This is, this is a story out of Judges chapter six. And it's where Gideon, again, this is a, just another story about how God sees people differently than they see themselves. This is a story about Gideon, and he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Normally, you use a wine press for what? Wine, <laughs> right? Mm-mm, not Gideon. It's like, this is, I gotta, I gotta hide someplace because the Midianites are coming. So he's basically trying to, to, to make some food for a group of people, and he does it in a wine press just to hide from the Midianites, which are not Mennonites, okay? They're two different groups of people. <laughs> just in case you're wondering, I, uh, I come from a long Mennonite heritage, so back off. Um, but when the Lord appeared to Gideon, he, the first thing he says is not the first thing I would say if I walked up to Gideon at that point. <laughs> it's like, Gideon, you feeling a little scared, buddy? You're going you're gonna to get trashed, man. You need to run, right? And he's like, no, but that's not what God says. It's like, oh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's first words, uh, pardon me, my Lord. <laughs> and I think he says it like that, as if, oh, who's a little nuts here? Uh, pardon me, my Lord. Uh, but if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And most of us have prayed prayers like this. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian, and the Lord turned to him and said, Go in strength that you have. What is, what is God? Every time God shows up to him, he's like, Oh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Nah, I don't think so. Pardon me, my Lord. Right? And then, he come, and then God comes back and says, Oh, actually, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of mighty hands. Am I not sending you? I am with you. And then again, pardon me, my Lord. I don't know, that's the voice I put on it. Maybe that's not accurate. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Can you hear the sniveling? I'm nothing. But what does God say to him when he shows up? Oh, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> Gideon's like, who are you talking about? I'm scared. You see, God sees you through a lens that you often don't see yourself. He sees you like this, a mighty warrior, and you're going, yeah, pardon me, Lord. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I'm the least in this, and I'm the least in that. The Lord answered him, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Do you see how God 
begins to, to speak to people? You see how he begins to see things? Next slide. Both God and the enemy are scanning. Um, let's go to the first passage, Second Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. This is what God does. He, he scans. He's always scanning throughout the whole earth, looking for people that are actually hungry and thirsting for righteousness. Their hearts are inclined towards him. And he, what does he want to do? He doesn't want to judge them or belittle them or condemn them. Jesus said in John three seventeen, I didn't even come into the world to condemn the world. I'm here to actually bring life. And so God is always scanning to see who he can strengthen. Problem is, the enemy is always scanning. Next verse. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And the enemy often devours through, you're going to fail. You should be ashamed of yourself. You call yourself a Christian? One of his names is the accuser of the brethren. And during worship, I got uh, hit by a shame accusation. So this is not in the notes. This is just me trying to listen and obey. Uh, uh, we're talking about Father's Day, and I have a I have a memory that still has quite a bit of energy on it for me. I try to deal with all shame so that they have lost all their power. So I'll I'll collect my shame and I'll bring it to Jesus, and I I try to do that pretty consistently so that there's no shame that actually can trip me up because um, I, I have a vendetta against shame uh, because Jesus has a vendetta against shame. But this one I haven't worked through. And I have some shame on it. And it was uh, Father's Day uh, about 15 years ago. And uh, I, I had three sons. And I remember that they were just, they were just brutally harassing each other on Father's Day, which, again, it's just a day we pick, but it, but it, but it meant something to me, right? And so they're not, you know, I, I don't know what I wanted, but maybe if they could just line up quietly and then take turns honoring me or something. I don't, you know, you got these Im images in your head, or, and like, hey, Father, I handmade something for you in the last six months, and this is, I, you know, I, I built you a ship, Father. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that, right? All it was was, Three boys fighting and arguing, like really arguing. And they're calling each other's names, and they're pushing each other around. And I'm like, not only have I failed as a father, look, <laughs> but they don't care about me at all. I have not yet entered into their consciousness. It's lunchtime, and they're still going, do I have a father? Don't care. <laughs> so I'm watching this, and I'm boiling. And I'm boiling, and I'm boiling, and then it, my, the boil comes just shooting out of my mouth with a level of rage that I don't remember before. And so I start yelling, and maybe, I mean, I don't think it would be a, an exaggeration to say screaming. I am sick and tired of this. Do you think this honors me? What the heck are you guys? And I just start yelling, and I start screaming, and, I, and, it, and it goes so loud that uh, my 10-year-old faints. He just falls to the ground. And I'm just like, 
ah, maybe I have failed as a father, right? I just, maybe, maybe they shouldn't honor me. It's like I can't even hold my temper. I just remember, so this is what's happening to me during worship this morning, right? I'm just like, ah. Oh. And the enemy just comes and says, yeah, you screwed up so often. I got no argument for you there. You know, I just, there's times I, I, was, I was too busy. There's times I didn't listen. There's times I yelled. And there's um, one time the two oldest were arguing, and I actually smashed their heads together. Like, I confess this. If there's anybody from Ministry of Child and Family Services here, they have forgiven me, and they have full conscious awareness of, of their, their world. So I went, and they fell down to the ground. And I went back to them 10 years later. I said, do you guys remember when I got so mad at you? I smashed your heads together. And I'm, they go, no, we don't remember. And I'm like, this is good. <laughs> we, you did that to us? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I'm really sorry. It's like, we forgive you, but we have no memory. Right? And, I, and I, this morning, right here during worship, I had to go, Jesus, I, I got some shame I want to bring to you. And there's some other fathers in the room. You got some father shame. You got some father shame. There's some things that's like, I didn't, I didn't listen. I didn't know what to do. Some of you are not even on speaking terms with some of your children. And you got some father shame. And Jesus is like, let me add it. For those of you who feel incompetent, let me add it. For those who say, I don't have what it takes, let me add it. For those of you have, who have said the wrong thing in anger, let me add it. What am I saying? He wants to get at your shame. So even right now, I just want to, I want to actually allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants with your father's shame. And mothers, if you've got mother's shame, which most mothers do, um, we'll do it next year during mother's... No, no. <laughs> you can do it right now if you want to. We'll let you in, right? <laughs> Could you imagine? I have to wait nine months with my mother's shame? It's called mother guilt. It's a real thing. Okay, whatever. Uh, but fathers, we, we suppress our shame and we go to bravado and it's like, hey, you know, I took my son hunting and... And he hated it. I, take, I took my son hunting one time, and he's like five minutes in the blind. And he's like, can I go home now? And I'm like, no, you're supposed to like this. And he goes, I hate this. And then we shot a deer, and he's like, this is so gross. And I'm like, come on, be a man. Anyway, it was just a worst trip ever. So I love Joel, but he's just like, he just doesn't like hunting, right? Father shame. If you got some father shame, I just want you to put it in your hands. I know we're, gonna, we're just going to go right now. And I want to put your, your failures, the times when you overreacted, the times when you worked too much and weren't there for somebody's important event, the time you didn't want to listen, the time you told your kid to shut up, the time it's like, I'm sick and tired of your voice. All those times, I just want you to put it in your hands. Some of you got huge piles. Some of you don't have a lot. You got a little. Whatever, your, whatever the size of your pile, Jesus is not intimidated by your shame. Uh, it says that he nailed shame to the tree. He just, he's just really good at dealing with shame. And I want you to, if you're willing, and if you would choose to, because some of us use shame as a motivator. Right? Say, so, okay, I'll do better. And, I, and then shame becomes this thing where we whip ourselves into better behavior. And that there's, there's, there's better options than, than beating yourself. Um, so I want you to take all your shame, and I just want you to say, Jesus, if you're willing to take it, I want to give it to you. I just want you to give your shame to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, what are you going to do with my shame? My father's shame, my mother's shame, my friendship shame, whatever you got. I just watch, listen. Jesus, what are you going to do with my shame?
Some of you got grandparenting shame. <laughs> the room is full. Jesus, what do you want to do with him? And then just, just let him do it. Jesus, what do you want to give me in exchange? We've been singing about this all morning. It's time to do it. I'm going to give you my shame, Jesus. What do you want to give me in, my, in exchange? I'm going to give you ashes. I burnt this up. I ruined this. What kind, of, what kind of beautiful thing do you want to give me in exchange? All right, we're going to ask for a couple of you to testify. What, what did he do with your shame? Who wants to share? This is not just for fathers. This is for anyone who wants to play. What did he do with your shame? He turned it into restoration. Good word. What else did he do with your shame? Fertilizer. <laughs> we could use a lot of... Anyway, I'll, I'll let that one go. It would have been funny, but uh-uh. What else do you do with your shame? Yeah. Squeeze it really hard. Out of it came oil, and he anointed your head. I like the way you see it in here. Some of you are going, I want that one. You can ask. Jesus, would you squeeze my shame so hard that out comes oil that you would anoint my head with? So during worship, Jesus just took it, and he goes, I don't hold this against you. Why do you? He said, you're a really good father. And I'm like, yeah, but, 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 but. And he's not. Listen to me. All right? Come back to this high jump story. Listen to me. Don't listen to the people. Don't listen to the enemy that says you failed. Listen to me. You're a really good father. You really went after this fathering thing. And I'm like, yeah, but, 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 but. And I got so, I mean, Darling hates it when I sell, tell these self-deprecating stories. She goes, you, you look like an idiot up there. And I'm like, yeah, that's just true. It's just I made a lot of mistakes, right? Now, all, all my sons and now my daughter-in-laws, they just, they, they, they have very affirming things to say about father, the father that, that, that I am. And so, um, yeah, we're in a really good spot. But it was, a, it was a tough season, and I, and I had anger issues I didn't know what to do with. And so just, just during worship, I just got rid of a bunch more shame. And it's like, so, so now I can look back on, because Father's Day, sometimes I'd, I would just feel this thing in my stomach. I don't know where that's coming from. And it's like, oh, it's because it's, my, it's probably my day, greatest day of shame as a father, is Father's Day. So what I didn't realize is that for the next 15 years, well, Father's Day was a bit stolen from me. It's like, oh, you know, and I just, I would convince myself, don't expect anything. Best way not to be disappointed is expect nothing. And Jesus goes, that's not the way I live. I'm full of expectation and hope. I allow myself to, to live in a way that I could be disappointed. You're, you're self-protecting yourself by having no expectations. And some of you really resonate with that. Some of you have learned how to live without expectations because you don't want to be disappointed. And it's a, a form of self-protection, and Jesus would uh, call you to repent for that. It calls me to repent all the time, so it's your turn. Next passage. Actually, we're going to go to uh, slide 8, 2 Thessalonians 2.16. The default mode of God is encouragement. 
2 Thessalonians 2.16, May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement. So if you read this passage right, God our Father is eager to give us eternal encouragement. And that means the encouragement is not going to stop on earth. Prophecy is going to cease. Tongues are going to cease. Healings are going to cease because in heaven everyone's going to walk around healed. I kind of like that one. But encouragement will never stop. It starts now and it goes throughout all of eternity. What comes out of the heart of God all the time is going to be encouragement and hope to encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. What did he say back to Gideon? I will strengthen you. I will give you what you need. And, Jesus, and the father says, it's now it's your turn. You may think you're the, 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 the smallest person from the smallest tribe and you've got nothing to offer and you've got a long history of shame and, and you've made horrible decisions and God goes, let me in. I've got some eternal encouragement for you. And I see things as though they are even if they're not. And he looks at Peter. Peter's a prime example. Peter is a, a fear of man guy. Just tons of fear of man. And so even when, when Jesus... Was, was, was going through his, his cross experience, and people came up to Jesus and said, oh my goodness, you know, you're with Jesus. And it's like, no, I never knew the man. Peter had severe fear of man issues, and Jesus, when he renames him, says, actually, I'm going to name you solid like a rock. So he looks at Peter, this fear of man guy, and says, I see through all of that. Let me speak some encouragement to who you really are. Rock. And so Jesus will do this all the time to me. Father will do this all the time to me. He'll speak to me, and I'm like, and I argue with him. It's like, it doesn't sound right. I think you got the wrong guy. I do that. Pardon me, Lord, <laughs> all the time. No, Lord, that's no. No, you're talking about somebody else. He says, no, I know exactly who I'm talking to. And he'll speak encouragement to me, and I'm like, I don't know. Am I just hearing things? He's like, no, I am speaking to you. I am the God of eternal encouragement. Okay. I wanted to spend the majority of our time today, and then we're going to land the plane. We're going to do an activation, because uh, the most profound thing you can take away are not my stories, and not even the, the scripture passages that, that I highlight, but learning how to have the same kind of experience, or even a better profound experience, of learning to receive what you don't deserve. The kingdom is all about learning to receive love you don't deserve. You can't even get into the kingdom until you decide to receive what you don't deserve. And so do you, do, you, do you deserve this encouragement? No, you don't. This is not about your performance. This is not about you striving. This is about you receiving what you don't deserve. So we're going to spend some time right now and go to the very last slide where it says activation and click on it once. Oh, it didn't work this way. Now you got them all, okay? Uh, you know exactly where we're going for the next little while. <laughs> Somehow it was supposed to click, on but it didn't. Uh, we're going to start with, Jesus, what encouragement do you have for me? And I was going to save the stand up and share just so that some of you would go, because some of you are already nervous, like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm not so excited about standing up and share. Jesus is. He wants you to be so confident in what he has to say to you that you'll stand up and share it with the whole room. Okay? So we're going to go start right now, and I'm going to ask you, get your phones out, your journals out, um, whatever you need, and just start asking Jesus, what encouragement? Do you, if you have encouragement for Joshua, encouragement for, for Peter, 
encouragement for David, encouragement for Moses, encouragement for all these people. I believe you have, if you're the God of eternal encouragement, I think you have some for me. Jesus, what encouragement do you have for me? Go. This is where um, church gets really fun. There was a, a season in my life when I was in, in need of encouragement, and so I invited people over to my house, and I called it an encouragement party. But it wasn't just for me. So we, we gave everyone a sheet of paper. They wrote their name on the top, and then we asked them to go around the circle, and everyone would write two or three sentences about what they respect, admire, honor, cherish, whatever, whatever they want to do. And then we'd fold it up in a way that you couldn't see it. And then at the end, everyone had to stand up and read 10 people's affirmation, encouragement, and respect for them. No one made it. <laughs> right? So if you're feeling low on encouragement, you can organize an encouragement party. This is not, this is not hard. Everyone wants to go to an encouragement party. <laughs> right? It's like, nah, I don't need encouragement. <laughs> I'm full. I have all the courage. No, you don't. The things that God is asking you to do are probably impossible. You need encouragement. So organize an encouragement party. Make sense? Okay, so I'd love to hear about a ton of encouragement parties. <laughs> you know. But make sure you invite encouraging people. <laughs> All right? And if you're not an encouraging person, learn to freely receive from the Father so you got something to give. Because I have some friends that's like, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> it's like, I'm not inviting you next time, that's for sure. Right? It's like, no, it's like... <laughs> I, I just feel like I need to say this again. If you receive a word or you've gotten a word from the Lord directly and you kind of go, I don't really understand this or get it, don't assume or don't try to figure it out on your own. Ask him. Keep asking. And if you don't get anything right away, ask somebody who is somebody you trust and respect in their faith. Um, but don't just assume because most of the time, the very first thing that he says is just an invitation into a whole long conversation. All right, Life Tree, on your mark, get set, go get them, go encourage. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.